If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 5, verse 33. And we want to come to the conclusion in verse 42. Uh, You cannot stop the work of God. That's what we're going to look at this morning. There's a gentleman that's very involved in this last portion of the teaching. His name is Gamaliel. He was a strong ruler at the time uh, there in Jerusalem, in Israel. He had great clout. Everybody respected him. He was a great teacher, a great rabbi. And yet he had such wisdom. I believe the Lord used him uh, mightily. I want to give you a little bit of background because it's important uh, to understand. Gamaliel, in in the Hebrew, it means reward of God. His background, Gamaliel is the grandson of the great rabbi, Hillel. Gamaliel was a Pharisee. He was called the doctor of the law. His learning was so imminent uh, that his character is so revered that he is one of seven who, among Jewish doctors only, uh, they still acknowledge him today have been honored with this title, Rabban. These seven men were given the title Rabban. We're accustomed to the word rabbi, but the word Rabban means master teacher. A rabbi is basically a teacher of the Torah. Gamaliel was called a Rabban, the master teacher. He had a title that was given to him, uh, the beauty of the law. The beauty of the law. There is a saying in the Talmud uh, that since Rabban Gamaliel died, the glory of the law has ceased. That's the respect that they have for this man. He was a Pharisee, but truth told of him uh, shows that he was not confined by the narrow bigotry of the sect of Phariseeism. He rose above the prejudice of his party. Candor and wisdom uh, seem to have uh, been the features of his true character uh, that agrees with him, as we will read here in the book of Acts, where he was highly respected by the people. When the apostles, Peter and Paul, were brought before the Sanhedrin and enraged the consul by their courage and steadfastness, they thought to slay They sought to slay Peter and John, but the rash proposal was checked by Gamaliel, who having directed the apostles to withdraw, this address is to the consul. Uh, Look real quick at verse 35. Men of Israel, uh, take care what you propose to do with these men. Uh, Stay away from these men and let them alone, for If this plan or this action should be of men, it will be overthrown. But if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. And we're going to see that it was not overthrown. And so we we need to look at the history of the church. The church of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Satan and man have tried unsuccessfully to destroy the church for the past 2,000 years. In fact, the church continues to flourish. And so we go to Acts chapter 5. Look at verse 33 with me. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Uh, Speaking of Peter and John, 
They are the religious sect. They're angry. They're frustrated. They desire to kill Peter and John. Go back with me to verse 29. And we'll just get the insight there. What's taking place? But Peter and another apostle, speaking of John, and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. They were told to stop preaching in that name. In verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered and you hung on a tree. And so they would have understood the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In verse 31, him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince. And we know that the word was chief and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. He's speaking about the Messiahship. And they were very frustrated. The conclusion, verse 32, and we are his witnesses to these things. And so also in the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And so this is why uh, they're on trial. Uh, look at verse 33 again. Uh, they were so furious. Listen to the Greek. Uh, they were sawn asunder in the heart. Their heart was cut and they became angry. In Mark chapter 7, verse 21, if you're taking notes, listen to the words of Jesus. Out of the heart of men, uh, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, and listen to this word, murders. These were religious men, and they wanted to kill Peter and John. And we're going to see this man, Gamaliel, is going to intercede. I believe that the Holy Spirit uses Gamaliel in, in such a precious time as this. And so many times when uh, we do the things that we do, and sometimes we uh, we see the enemy, and we see uh, just the trials, the tribulation, the hardship, the pain. And sometimes we question God, because I have, and I know some of you have. But yet, there's always a purpose. There's always a reason. And God places Gamaliel in, in such a situation. Now look at verse 34. Then one of the consuls stood up, a Pharisee by the name of Galileo. Gamaliel, excuse me, and a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for just a little bit. I like that little phrase here. Why don't we just put them outside for a minute? Because he wants to direct them. And listen, as we read the introduction, he has clout. He has position. He has authority, he is highly respected, or else they would not have listened to him. And so this famous Rabban, uh, the master teacher we spoke of in our introduction, he is highly regarded, he is highly respected, and honored by Jerusalem and all Israel, even still today. He's considered one of the seven elite and Israeli rabbis to be uh, granted the title of Rabban. Remember that he was called the beauty of the law. Since his death, the glory of the law has ceased. That was a great honor that they gave him. His grandfather was Hillel. He founded a great school. Uh, there were two rabbis in the time of the apostles here. Rabbi Hillel and basically two schools of thought. Either you were in the camp of Rabbi Hillel or the camp of Rabbi Shammai. Here in the time of the early church, Rabban Gamaliel 
was the grandson of the rabbi Hillel. He was highly respected. i got to keep bringing that to your attention. He asked for Peter and John to be placed outside because he wants to speak to the consul. This is wisdom of God. God is using this man, I believe. And yet the 71 elect take heed to the Spirit of the Lord. Listen to verse 35. The advice that he begins to give. And he said to them, this is Gamaliel, men of Israel, take heed to yourself uh, what you intend to do regarding these men. I like the wisdom of Gamaliel. He addresses the consul. This is the 71, the Sanhedrin. What is your plan for these two, speaking of Peter and John? I believe Gamaliel knew how through the Holy Spirit. Could it be that the Lord places him for this particular person? purpose here. Remember in verse 35, they want to kill him. I want you to write this scripture down. Back in Esther uh, chapter 4, verse 14, Mordecai comes and gives her a message, Queen Esther. Now remember that uh, uh, Haman wants to kill all the Jews. And so here is Queen Esther. She had a position. And She could speak to her husband, but he's the king. And basically, she was to keep quiet. But Mordecai tells her in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, for such a time as this, you were put here, Esther. For such a time as this, God placed Gamaliel in this situation. You know, there's times in my life, and I believe there's times in your life, That God places you for such a time as this. Sometimes you're in a situation and somebody comes up to you and and basically just empties on you and they're hurting. And then you go, well, where's Pastor Bob or where's Pastor Jay? Where's one of the leaders at the church? Maybe God has placed that person directly for you. And because you're a believer, you're a Christian, and you come and you hear uh, the sermons, you hear the messages, and the messages speak to your heart. And now the opportunity has arise for such a time as this. And God wants you to share. God wants you to pray for them. Sometimes just an arm on the shoulder. Sometimes just a concern. Uh, You know what? There's a little coffee shop right here. Why don't we go have a cup of coffee and why don't we sit down? Sometimes people just want an ear so that they can speak to you. And what happens to us, we're in such a hurry. Who isn't in a hurry? Man, I was just going to the bank and then from there I got to get back to work or whatever it might be. I have to go meet the wife or the husband. And we have all the excuses. But maybe it was for such a time as this, I can't put such an emphasis, much more emphasis on that because I've seen it for the last 30 plus years. In fact, sometimes I chuckle inside and I said, okay, Lord, for such a time as this, and you're able to minister. People are hurting. As Ron read the, the, the scriptures of comfort, people come into our church, they're hurting. They need comfort. They need an ear that will listen. And sometimes we're so quick to speak. Doesn't James tell us to be uh, slow to speak and and quick to listen? And so here's Gamaliel. What a perfect time 
I mean, these guys want to kill Peter and John, and they probably would have. But I believe the Holy Spirit instigated this whole thing. And I mean, you can see the power this man has. Let's have Peter and John wait outside while I address this. They could have easily said no, but they respected the man. Look at verse 36, and he, he, he recalls now to them a story. And he gives them two instances, and we really don't know a whole lot about these men. But obviously, they would have known. They were a type of insurrectionists, type of people that cause problems, zealots of some kind. And so Gamaliel brings it to their attention. He says in verse 36 to the, to the consul, For some time ago, uh, Thutis rose up uh, claiming to, to be somebody. A number of men, listen to this, about 400 joined him. But he was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered. And I like this. And they became nothing. Now Josephus, uh, the great Jewish historian, he does mention this man, Athudas, who led a rebellion. Other than that, we know nothing else of this Athudas. It was a very common name at this time. Gamaliel uh, uses him as an example. But I like this. Thutis and 400 men started a rebellion. The rebellion was quenched. Plus, he was killed. The insurrectionist. And here you're dealing with two men? What have these two men, in a sense, gotten your goat? It's because of their proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of their proclamation of who Jesus is. The Messiah. The Savior of the world. That's what got them. But God uses Gamaliel to calm them down. He gives them another story. Look at verse 37. After this... A man by the name of Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed uh, were dispersed. And so Gamaliel uh, uses another story, another illustration. He, he reminds the consul of another former insurrectionist who rebelled in the time of the Roman census. All this was the purpose of taxation. Notice uh, he says to the consul, he too perished, as did Thutis. And men in the consul would have known these two stories. It hits home. It hits home. It hits directly home. And so now the wheels are turning. Maybe we need to listen to this man, Gamaliel. And see, nothing can be done unless somebody speaks up. And so that would be us in a situation, maybe not as, as grievous as we're seeing here. I mean, I've never been called upon uh, in counsel of somebody that, you know, two guys are going to die. But whatever the situation is, is very grave for that particular person. Uh, listen, Pastor Bob, I'm hurting. I mean, I get the phone calls. I get the texts. I get the emails. And I want to respond. We, we get the prayer requests in the agape box. And we try desperately to get back to the people. And trust me, listen, the worst thing you could do, because I've done it, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. And you leave them at that. That's good. 
But what about praying for them right now? This is what I found when I say, I'm going to pray for you, that situation you're talking about. And then they leave. They come back a couple of weeks later. Pastor Bob, thanks for praying for me. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just bust me. You didn't pray. You said you were, but you didn't pray. We forget. We get busy. It takes two seconds to put your arm on the shoulder. It takes another 10, 20 seconds to say a quick prayer. Lord, I pray for this beautiful sister, this beautiful brother. Uh, Lord, they're hurting right now. I don't know the whole situation. But Lord, I pray for them in Jesus' name. You don't know how much comfort that is. There's a lot of comfort there. And so for such a time as this, Gamaliel is here. Look at verse 38 now. And now I say to you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. Speaking about Peter and John. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. I love, I love that testimony here. I love this little form of advice. It's such wisdom of God. How true, how true. I heard Pastor Chuck for many years share this many times over. If this work, uh, this counterfeit of one man's ploy and not of God, it will come to nothing. It will come to nothing. Here's a translation. Uh, Let it go. If it's not of God, it's going to die. It's going to die. Most of you know, uh, Mary and I have been here. Uh, March the 12th will be 33 years. I I can't believe it. I tell everybody I was five years old when I got here. Uh, They don't believe it, right? But in in the 33 years of ministry here, I've had several assistant pastors. Uh, Pastor Jay's been with me the longest. But in that process, I've had uh, two assistant pastors that uh, try to destroy the church. They try to take away the ministry, and and they wanted to be the head pastor. And um, they fought tooth and nail, and we finally asked them that you need to leave. And uh, they finally did. And both of them, these are totally two different times uh, in the last 33 years. And both of them tried to start a church, and they did. But the church never took off. The church eventually died. And these are passages of scripture here that minister to me. You know, uh, people say, well, you know, you don't, you're not supposed to be the pastor. You're supposed to leave. You're not doing things right. Well, you know, I've been here 33 and a half years and and God is in charge. I'm not in charge. And and basically, if God wants to uh, cause me to step down, won't he do that? Won't he do that? The Bible says that God takes one down and he lifts another one up. Then why are you worried about it? Why should I be worried about it? And both of these gentlemen, uh, they're still, they're not even here in this community anymore. But uh, I pray for them. It's real hard. But I've learned through the years to let go and let God. And I pray for them. I don't pray judgment upon them. They're not my problem. They're God's problem. And some of you, I know your testimonies, and there's men, there's women, they'll come against you. And what do you do? You want to fight them. You want revenge. You want to get back to them. You think of ways of flattening their tires and 
you know, different things. Let go and let God. And, and God does, doesn't he do a better work? And so here's Gamaliel. Hey, guys, listen, if this is of God, you're not going to be able to quench it. But if it's of man, it's going to die. And so notice verse 39. And this is where he says, but if it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. You cannot stop the work of God. Uh, that's our title of the teaching this morning. Unless you be found <laughs> that you're fighting against God. When somebody comes against you, you know in your heart you're right. And, and inside of your own heart, you're saying, you're fighting against God. Oh, don't tell them because they're not going to believe it. They're not going to buy it. But really, you're fighting against God. Read that scripture again. In verse 39, but if it is of God, you cannot, you will not, absolutely, you will not overthrow it, lest you be found to fight against God. To fight against God. I want you to listen to this verse. Beautiful verse. Here's the key. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul is making a reference to our call to salvation. He's making a reference uh, to our call uh, to the ministry or to serve God. God has chosen you. God has called you. God has saved you. God has justified you. Listen to the word justification. Just like I never sinned. Just like you never sinned. Why do I say that, the word justification, just like it never happened or just like I never sinned? Because Jesus took our sins, our past, present, and future sins. My participation is to believe him by faith. The Bible says those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We do have a participation. All you need to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, this teaching this morning is not about the consul. It's not about Gamaliel. He's a great man. It's not even about Peter and Paul or Peter and John. It's all about Jesus. Always remember, Jesus is for us. The world is against us. My flesh is against me. The devil is against me. They are all against me. They are all against you. But God loves us. I want you to turn to John chapter 3. Look at verse 16 and 17. We're all familiar with that. John three sixteen, And we're familiar with it, but do we truly believe it? Do we truly make application in my heart, in your heart? When I say that God loves you, do you just say, well, thank you, Pastor Bob, or do you truly believe it? I do. I truly believe it. Uh, Peter and John, at this point, they're obviously believing it. Uh, look at John 3, 16 and verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise, church. And then he continues in verse 17. He says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's you. If you have a red letter edition, these are the words of Christ. 
He's speaking directly to me. He's speaking directly to you. Peter and John had come to that place now. Remember, remember Peter, he's the one that denied the Lord three times. And so now he knows this love of God. You can't shut him up. You can't shut up somebody that knows for a fact God loves me. And he sent the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he sealed that promise of your salvation, of your call. God predestined you, or else you wouldn't be here. Well, what about the rest of the world? Well, for God so loved what? The world. Everybody has the opportunity. I rejected for many years. You rejected for many years. Peter was rejecting Christ three times. And now Peter's filled with the Spirit since Acts chapter 2. He's not the same. John is not the same. The other disciples are not the same. God comes to transform lives through Christ his Son. I'm not the same person I was 30 plus years ago. You're not the same person. And if you're still the same person, you're still doing the things that you did in the world, I have to question, have you really come to saving grace? There has to be change. There has to be this metamorphosis, this transformation, this change. It was put to me this way many years ago. I never forgot it because I remember at least something in science class, right? When they took that slug and he wound it into himself into a cocoon, I remember as a boy, we got to see that. And when that slug, we saw him. When he broke through that cocoon, what did we see? A beautiful butterfly. That's the born-again experience. God wants to change you. And so here's Peter and John. They're not the same. Gamaliel, I believe he's being used by God. Does he know it? I don't know. I don't think he's hanging on his own wisdom. I mean, he had a lot of position. He had a lot of clout. He had a lot of titles. I'm the Raban. I don't think he went around, uh, you know, glorifying himself. But I believe God used him, as we mentioned of Esther 4, 14, for such a time as this. Look at verse 40 now. And they agreed. This is a consul. They wanted to kill him. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles, and now they beat them. They wanted to kill them. And now they just, well, let's just beat you guys. Now, the Greek is interesting here. They flayed them, or they scourged them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus Christ and let them go. So after Gamaliel's wisdom, which obviously I believe came from the Holy Spirit uh, to this Rabban, and then given to the consul, they agreed. Listen to the Greek word agreed. They were persuaded. I like that. By Gamaliel? No, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. By what he said. Why? Because uh, the Spirit of God was speaking through him. Notice that they set Peter and John free after they scourged them. Now, the common method uh, to kill them would have been stoning. And to beat them, we think of somebody, you know, closing the fist and, and beating you to a pulp. But uh, the common 
standard at this time was to give 40 lashes. And they would save one. It was called mercy. That's what they did to Jesus. And so could it be that they received 39 lashes and they let them go? I have to say this. If they received 39 lashes, their backs were open. And they were in some kind of pain. And I'm saying this because we're going to read uh, what they said. Now, they were told that they were not to preach, not to speak anymore in that name. We know the name was the G- Jesus of Nazareth. And then they let them go. Uh, back up with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 17. So that it spread no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them. That was the first instance. That was the best they could do to Peter and John. Let's just threaten them. They had a small council meeting that from now on they speak no more of this name. They couldn't even say the name of Jesus. Uh, Look at Acts chapter 5 verse 28. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look what you have done. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend uh, to bring this man's blood upon us. They were so concerned. This is the 71 elect of Israel. This is the Sanhedrin. The word doctrine here, you have filled Jerusalem with the teachings of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And because he rose again from the dead, you're going to put his blood upon us. Oh boy, they were guilty. They were so guilty, they had no idea. They need to let these guys go. And they know it. It wasn't time uh, for Peter and John uh, to die. John still has to go to the island of Patmos and he still has to uh, write the book of Revelation. But notice, they are going to beat them. Let's go back to verse 41 now. So they departed from the presence of the consul. This is Peter and John. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Boy, when I read this, and I've read it several times, and I've taught it several times, it still gets me. If their backs are open, they have to be bloodied. If their backs are open, there has to be that pain. If they truly received 39 lashes, maybe there were less, but anytime you get a lash, come on. It's not going to be comfortable. Notice what it says here. They were rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were set free? No. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Lord, we did this for you. Lord, all this is for your glory, for your kingdom. Uh, That's what Pastor Saeed's going through right now. It's all for the glory of God. Uh, Peter and John went there, went their way from the consul. The religious sect, the Sanhedrin, uh, they, they escaped from them, but it was God's grace. Notice that Peter and John leave rejoicing. Their backs are flogged, yet still rejoicing. Notice they were rejoicing. They were counted worthy to suffer a shame for his namesake. Whose name? Gamaliel? No. 
Because he's the one that got them out. No, it was God. They were rejoicing that they suffered for Jesus' sake. Where do you find people like this? Anywhere you would find true believers filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I know what you're thinking because I think it. Would I be like this? Could I do this? Could I stand up to the council? You guys do what you need to do because I'm going to do what I need to do. Now, I can say the words, but can I do it? Can you do it? You don't know the answer. I don't know the answer until you're put in that situation. But God gives you the grace. God gives you the mercy. Lord, I'm in your hands. Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, let's go back up before they flogged them. They wanted to kill them. Lord, it's up to you. And now they get the flogging. We do it for the glory of God. Lord, we do it for you. This is where Pastor Saeed is right now. This is where most people, I believe strongly, that are missionaries, that are caught behind the lines, whatever it might be, that they're being persecuted right now in third world countries. Lord, this is for your glory. This is for your kingdom. Why does God allow that? Because God knows his people. Go back on your own tonight and study the book of Job. Why did God allow Job to go through so much? Listen, here's the key. He knew his servant Job. I'll tell you, I've read Job's chapters 1 and 2 over and over and over. Every time there's a trial. Now, I've read through the whole book of Job, but uh, those first two chapters, they just grip you. He lost everything. You find Job in a heap of ashes with sackcloth, which was nothing but a coarse skin of an animal, of a goat or a sheep. And he's got boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And the best he could do is to scratch himself with a piece of pottery. In fact, what did his wife say? Job, look at you. You're a mess. Curse the God that you serve. He couldn't do it. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Where do you find men like this? Go back and study uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter. Where do you find men and women like this? They're the ones that are born again of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are the ones that study the Word. Those are the ones that uh, listen to the Holy Spirit. Those are the ones that are led by the Holy Spirit. Could be that one time or another we're going to be placed in a situation like this. And so these scriptures prepare us. And we need to take heed to them. (laughs) In verse 42 now. And daily in the temple, they've been released. They were told not to speak in that name. But daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease. Listen. Teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. Whatever they received, 39 stripes or less, 
They received the beating. Or <laughs> besides a beating, shameful treatment from the Sanhedrin that they might have given them even more. It did absolutely no good. Peter and John and the other disciples did not stop preaching for that moment. Would I stop? That's a good question. Would you stop? That's a good question. Is a beating or a social rejection enough to get us to back down concerning Jesus? We need to have the apostles' courage and determination to stand for Christ. We need the same Holy Spirit that they have. We need the same Holy Spirit that they have. And the same Holy Spirit that was poured out in Acts chapter 2 is the same Holy Spirit today. Only God can give you that strength. You know, it's pretty hard to preach this kind of teaching uh, when we live in a society that, you know, my trial, your trial, I have a flat tire when I get up in the morning. Your trial, my trial is, you know, well, my workplace is really slowing down. They're cutting back uh, from a 40-hour work week. Uh, we're being cut back one day. It hurts. But it's not like these beautiful apostles. It's not like what Peter and John are going through. But could the time come? Could the time come when uh, literally they, they, they put a notice on, on the church, stop? What do we do? We have the same spirit. So we need to pick up the pace and say, okay. Jesus said what? Pick up your cross and follow me. And so you cannot stop the work of God. You cannot stop the work of God. Uh, look what the church has been through. For the last 2,000 years. Look at the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. In Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And when you come to the letter to the church at Smyrna. She was the persecuted. The more they punished her. The more they grinded her out. The more persecutions. The greater the fragrance of the Smyrna church. The Smyrna church is still today. Pastor Saeed right now is part of the Smyrna church. And so many others that are being persecuted and martyred before Christ. What a blessing. We need to learn from these passages, church. We need to learn from these scriptures. Let's all stand. We're going to end with a word of prayer. Next week, because the church is on the move, they're going to be picking, choosing the deacons of the church. And we know that Stephen is the first deacon chosen, but you're going to also find out he's the first martyr of the New Testament church. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. Lord, bless your people as they've come to hear. Uh, they come to hear from you, Lord. We all have trials and tribulation, hardship and pain. Lord, let us be like... Uh, Peter and John, <laughs> and that they held not, they did not hold back. They did what you wanted them to do, Lord. They were led by the Spirit of God, even as Gamaliel, a ruler of the Jews. He was used mightily, and he gave such good wisdom. 
Lord, speak to our hearts here uh, this morning. And with every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you, you'd like to come uh, to Saving Grace. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If there's anybody, I know first service is generally the body of Christ, but maybe somebody's here. You'd like to receive Christ, raise your hand real quick, and I'll say a prayer with you. Anybody here before we close? I'd like to say a prayer. I, I see your hand right here in the middle. Praise the Lord. Anybody else with this gentleman, you'd like to come to saving grace? Uh, let's pray for him. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we humbly come before you, Lord. And we pray for this gentleman right now. Uh, Lord, he come into the fellowship. He heard the word of God. He responded uh, to the salvation call, the salvation message. Lord, we don't know his background, but you do. Lord, all of his sins are going to be forgiven here and now as he confesses to you, he acknowledges he's a sinner and he accepts you as Lord and Savior. Father, go before him. Cleanse him now, Lord. Wash him now. Empty him of himself. Fill him with the Holy Spirit. Give him a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Lord, that he would grow leaps and bounds in the body of Christ, he would draw closer to you each day. Lord, bless him now. Welcome him into the family of God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Father, we ask you to bless the offerings this morning. As you've given to us, uh, we give back a portion. And Father, we thank you for uh, being Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. We thank you. We praise you. And Lord, we pray for all those that have been so sick under the weather, so many going through different maladies. We ask for your healing touch upon them. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all agree by saying amen.